Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. How many of you were able to be at our marriage conference this weekend? Yeah, quite a few. Uh, had a great time. You know, we talked about how that um, marriage is like the foundation of all life on planet Earth. It's like God created the world, and then He created this marriage, right? So you could say the, the whole Bible begins with a marriage. Could you say that? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Amen. So you, but then you could also say the Bible ends with a marriage. It's a marriage supper of the Lamb. And we talked about that this weekend. So marriage is like the foundational, fundamental thing that life is built on. So we need to understand about marriage and then about family. Because marriage is designed to perpetuate itself. That means it's supposed to reproduce. So so amazing, God created people to have other people. And the people we have are so much cuter than anybody else in the world. (laughs) It's impossible not to love children, right? Uh, and, and grandchildren are even better. Amen. I have two children and I have five grandchildren, and I like my grandchildren so much better than my kids. <laughs> no, but this is what life's about, and life is kind of short, and so it's important to understand from the Bible about family because God has a lot to say about family. You know, God created this marriage that produces family, and all through the pages of the Bible is the story of a family. Do you know that? And this family is very dysfunctional. <laughs> so if you have dysfunction in your family, welcome to the club. We all do. That's why you need the word on it, right? Yeah. So Trudy and I, that's our calling, has been for a long time. Uh, some of you may know this, some of you probably don't, but I was on a kid's TV show back in the 80s and 90s called The Gospel Bill Show. I played the character on that, and it was a cowboy show because I'm from Texas, and the guy that I work for, Willie George, is from Texas, and we were talking one day, and he said, you know, we need to be some kind of character on this show, and he said, we can't be like astronauts or anything because we have incurable Texas accents. You probably hear that now. So we decided to be cowboys, and the show, we started out, we really didn't know what we were doing. The, sh- the first shows were awful, but we got better. Because, <laughs> you know, you can see, I tell you what, things, here's the way God starts. Here's the way you got to start things. Uh, God puts a dream in your heart, and when you start, you don't know what you're doing. But if you'll follow Him, and you work at it, you got to work at things, you can become excellent, because there's excellence on the inside of you. And we produced that show, and then he planted a church in Tulsa that was a family church, big-time church on reaching kids and and family. The church quickly grew. I was a worship leader. We were there with him 20 years. Uh, Then in 2002, Trudy and I launched that on our own ministry, and since that time, we have traveled across America, other parts of the world, and we teach on marriage and raising kids. And my son planted a 
church in Oklahoma City five years ago called New Song Church, which we are a part of. We live in Oklahoma City now. I'm the family pastor there. I'm the apostolic elder there. So, you know, I try to boss people around, but nobody listens. But it's okay. I'm all right with that. but uh, anyway, family's a big deal. That's what we're talking about this weekend. And we brought some of our resources back on the table. And I, I didn't have this ready. So I need an usher to help me out. This is a moment ushering. There's a, a suitcase under that table, Doc. If you pull it out, you'll find all these bookmarks. And they are, uh, I want you to give everybody in here a bookmark. And they are bookmarks that'll be help. You know, you need bookmarks in your Bible, right? Or in your book. So you can have that. But it also gives you... Our website, where you can find all, uh, all about us. There's articles posted there. There's also uh, places you can order our material. And we have a lot of downloads that are free. free. Everybody say free. Free. It means no charge. On teaching, hours and hours of teaching on marriage and raising kids and teenagers and children's ministry. And I encourage you to get on the website, check us out. And, uh, and then also you have a really pretty picture of us because we're handsome. Uh, you, no, uh, but I brought, we did bring some physical things this morning too. Uh, let me just talk about a couple of them. We have a series back there, teaching series called uh, Training Children That Trump the World. Ring any bells? Trump? It's a big, big word right now, right? President Trump, we pray for him, we honor him. But, this is, but Trump is a playing card term. So it's like you're playing cards, right? And you play your hand. You, you play the hand you got dealt. So you play that hand, and uh, somebody has a really good hand, but that hand can be trumped. So here's the truth behind that. The devil hates your kids and wants to take them down, and he's using everything he can in our culture today to do so, to get them on the road away from God. But if you will parent your kids, parent your kids... If you'll get involved, you can trump the hand that the devil plays against your kids, right? So if there's anybody here with little kids and you would like this, raise your hand up. I'm going to give this away. Uh, saw th- this lady back there. You raised your hand, didn't you? You did. Okay, I'm going to give that to you. Uh, I have one here called Grandparent Plus. How-tos for being great at being grand. You know, God designed grandparents to be influential. Amen. And uh, so... Brother, I'm going to give this one to you. You look like a grandpa. You, you look, I bet you're a good grandpa. Yeah, man, I, yeah, I can tell. Uh, and then this one's called hooking up with a question mark. Hooking up. And it's kind of provocative looking. It's got bed sheets on it. Ooh, you got anybody's attention? Let me read this to you. <laughs> so what's the deal with hooking up? Hooking up is a term that has developed its own culture in the last few years. The term refers to a culture that accepts and encourages casual sexual encounters that include one-night stands, focusing on physical pleasure without involving emotional bonding or long-term commitment. Listen to me. It is generally associated with late adolescent behavior and, in particular, American college culture. The term, term hooking up has an ambiguous definition because it can indicate kissing or any form of physical sexual activity between sexual partners. The most important issue when it comes to sexual relationships and hooking up is, what does God say about it? Did you get all that? Anybody got teenagers that would like to have this one? Somebody, yeah, you got teenagers? Okay, brother, listen to that. How many you got? 
three. Oh my Lord, you take that. <laughs> That'll help you. Okay. Uh, and then we have kids. We got a book back there called Devil Proofing Your Family that we taught a lot from this weekend. Half the book's on marriage, half the book's on raising kids. And then uh, last thing, we have kids' music, kids' praise and worship music. Yeah. And I've done music for kids for many, many years. It's amazing how it's gone all over the world. And this is one we did for, uh, called Sleep Baby Sleep, and this is for infants and for mamas. And these are songs that will, uh, they're, they're laid-back acoustic guitar, you know, they're not up-tempo, uh, and they're designed to bring peace into the life of your, your baby and you as a mama. And this really does work. I hear about it all the time. People would tell me, I put that on with my baby, and before the first song was over, she, he or she was asleep. Amen. And I've got a friend, uh, an adult, and, and he likes this record. And, and it's kind of James Taylorish, kind of in that venue. I'll play one of the songs in a minute. But he said, Pastor Ken, I was driving down the road one night. He said, I was, I was playing that, trying to listen to it, and it was late at night. He said, I had to shut it off. I was going to sleep. So <laughs> if you've got insomnia, maybe check this out, right? And if you got babies, uh, raise your hand up. I'm going to give this away to somebody. You raised your hand up a while ago. I have a granddaughter. Have a granddaughter? Little one? Yep. Good. There, she, there you go. Thank you. Let's play a song from this. Is that okay? This is a video. This song is a song my son wrote. It's based on Psalm 139 about how much God loves you. Isn't that awesome? I love this psalm. And let this song minister to you, and then we'll come back and preach. Thank you. 
breathe for a minute and we thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you for this church, the assignment that they have. Lord, we believe that this moment was, has been designed by heaven for this time, for this day, for this period of time which we live, this church age. Things are progressing quickly. Things are changing. And Father, we thank you for speaking to us. Use me, use my mouth, my brain, use Trudy. Help us to say what you want to say to this church. And we believe you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Um, did you guys find the bookmarks, by the way? Yes, we did. did you pass them out? Yes, You're a good man. I like that guy. Thank you. Uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles with me to uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes 1. And my title I want to talk to you about this morning is, Are We Coming Full Circle? It's a question. Question in the title. Are we coming full circle? It just seems like that 2020 has marked something different in the world. The times in which we're living. Would anybody agree with that? It seems like, uh, to borrow a fairy tale term, it seems like we've kind of gone down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And something's different. And I don't know if it'll, it'll ever go back. I asked my mama. My, I have, my mom's 88 years old. And during this pandemic, I called her up one day and I just asked the question. I said, Mom, have, have you ever seen anything quite like this? And she's 88 years old. So my mom's been through, uh, she lives out in the panhandle of Texas. She went through the Dust Bowl uh, that affected Texas and Oklahoma back in the 30s. She went through the Great Depression, uh, World War II. She was alive. She was a little girl. Uh, you know, then through the turmoil of the 60s when I was a kid, uh, Vietnam, assassination of political leaders, Martin Luther King went through all that, and then probably the most traumatic thing is she raised me, okay? <laughs> but I said, Mom, have you ever seen it or ever felt quite like this? And she says, no, I have not, Kenny. She's West Texas accent. That's what she said. Uh, so I think maybe we're living in the time toward the end. You know, we can't know for sure, but a lot of the signs Jesus talked about uh, are certainly taking place, have happened. And Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9 says this, History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. There is nothing under the sun that is truly new. And here's what, the way life operates. It's like something happens and then we come around the circle and it's a principle of the circle. And then it'll come back. And then it will repeat itself. And there's nothing new under the sun, and yet all these circles are moving us toward the very end of time. Because there was a beginning of time, right? And Jesus talked about there's going to come an end of time. And so are we living toward the time of the end? And are we in that circle thing? And I'm going to, Trudy, I want you to come up and talk about that a little bit. Go to Ecclesiastes 3 as she's walking up, would you? Uh, we talked about this a little bit in the marriage uh, conference, if you were here, about one of the things that a couple has to find in their life is they have to find out what their purpose is as a couple for the kingdom. And most people don't even think about that kind of thing. But I want to uh, say a couple of things to you today. Uh, God needs you to accept and agree 
with his will for your life. You know, when you get born again, the Bible says you are not your own any longer. You belong to him. But I like this uh, saying. I think Mark Twain said this. He said, the two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. And there's only one way you can find out why, and that is through Jesus Christ. Getting born again and finding out what you were really put on this planet for. Success can only be defined by your purpose and measured by your obedience. And you know something about the, the world is, especially when you get born again, if you don't seek his purpose and really seek to obey what he wants you to do right now, which is not based on what others do, your success is based on it if you obeyed God with what he told you to do. Right. Not compared to anyone else. You know, because everybody in the body of Christ has a gifting and a way of communicating and doing things that no one on this earth will ever have again. That is the most fascinating thing to me, is that of all the years that people have been on the earth, there's only one person that's ever created that will be just like you, that will think like you, that will be able to communicate like you. That will be in the world that you're in and affect the people that you can affect. There'll only be one. There'll never be a duplicate, ever. Because that's how amazing God is. Because what you've got to understand about yourself is you are a piece of the Father. Your personality is just a piece of his personality. It's a piece of what he wanted on the earth to affect people, to bless people with. That's right. And yet I think we sit around and we think, what can I do? I'm a nobody. I'm not worth anything. Let me just tell you something about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The price he paid for your life was the price he thought you were worth. It's good. You Say that, that again, babe. The price that he paid on the cross was not because he didn't think you were worth anything. <laughs> it's, it's the price he paid because he thought you were worth something. Amen. See, we were put here by God in the Garden of Eden, we were put here with a plan and a purpose. And that circle he was talking about is actually the circle. Adam, Adam was told what to do in the beginning. Be fruitful, multiply, take dominion, rule and reign in this life. And that never changed. That's God's dream right there. And he said, I'm going to put it in a man in an earthly body with an earth suit. And I'm going to operate through you. And you're going to work for me on this earth in the kingdom of God. And that's why we're all here. But most of us don't really understand all that. Or else something has told us in life, you're not good enough. You're, you don't have what it takes. Yeah. And everybody goes through that. Everybody goes through that. Uh, let me read what uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 10 and 11 says. And, I, and I'm probably in a little different translation. But it says, I have seen the burden God has laid on men. And the word burden in the Hebrew actually is translated a heavy responsibility, an occupation, or a task, or a responsible urge that's been put inside of you. And this is the, the verse I love the most, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time, and he has also planted eternity or can be translated purpose. In the human heart, a mysterious longing or urge which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. 
Yet man cannot find out or comprehend or grasp what God has done in his overall plan from the beginning to the end. Now that sounds like a complicated verse, but this is basically what he's saying. And we talked about this in the marriage conference. There's a timeline from Adam, when Adam was created, to the end of time. And on that timeline, God planned for everyone that has been born to be born all the way to the end. That is his plan. You came from God. You came from where there is no time into earth where there is time. And then you'll go back to where there's no time. A little piece of eternity is in your heart that was planted there by God. And he decided, and you've got to understand this. He decided that you were not going to be born, you know, when Abraham was on the earth or when everybody, anybody else was on the earth. He said, you're going to be born in this period of time right here. And everybody in this room, we were planned to be put here at this time in history because we had the giftings. We had the things that God needed for the earth at this time. And until you realize that, you won't fulfill what God's called you to fulfill. You've got to believe you're valuable and that you have something that God put you in the earth for that nobody else can ever do. You are an answer. All of you are an answer to somebody's question somewhere. Your life is an answer. And the more we believe that and operate in that, the more we'll fulfill what God wants us to do. And, when, and, and one of the greatest things you can do is be right here where we are this morning in a church with ministry gifts that help to direct and equip and make you mature enough that you can go out and do what God's called you to do. And everybody will be different. Everybody will be different. But one of the greatest things that we have to realize, too, that we can all do is be a part of making sure that what's in our hearts, and I pray this every day, Lord, I do not want my children or my grandchildren, and I just found out I'm going to have a great-grandchild. I want those children to know Jesus the way I have. I want to put my heart into my children. And if I do that, if I leave the planet, then I've done a good job. It's a big, it's a big thing, but sometimes we just don't realize it. And so I, I, I urge you today, to stop thinking about you being valueless and realize that you do have a value. To look in your heart and let God show you what you can do that nobody else can do. Right. Nobody else can do. Right. You know, I, I can reach people that you can't, but you'll reach people that I can't. You'll have a world you can get into I'll never be able to get into. But if we all do our part then it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And, you know, we're in 2020, and who dreamed it'd be like this? We've we've gone through all kinds of crazy things, but yet God said, I want this group here because they got it. They're going to have the grace and the faith to conquer and go through and do what God's called us to do because he's equipped us. Either he has or he hasn't. But it's up to us to say, Lord, what is it? that I have in my hand that I can do, that I can give to the body of Christ to further the kingdom of God as a couple, as a family, as people, as this church. So I, I encourage you today, as we talk about some things about family, realize that one of the greatest, greatest tools that God has is family, no matter what your family looks like. you got a family right here. But family is the key to our society. 
building a strong, healthy family that's a model to other people so they can see what a family looks like. So, I'm going to use her mic, okay? Uh, so we're talking about, let's review, where are we? Uh, we all have a purpose in time, so what time are we living in? Could it be we're living toward the end of time? Is the circle coming back, and are we coming back to some things maybe that have been done before? In fact, with that thought, I want you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. And I, I want us to look at when the church was born on the day of Pentecost and how it was born, what happened that day. And let me give you a little backstory before we start reading about this. This was right after Jesus has left the planet, right? He went to heaven. The apostles watched him go back through the clouds. And he told them that he wanted them to take this gospel to the entire world. This is the answer to the world's problems. But then he said, but wait a minute. You're not ready yet. You need to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which I have spoken to you about. For you shall receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So they had been born again, but they were not filled with the Spirit. Two separate experiences. First of all, you get born again, you get a brand new spirit. But then there's a second blessing God wants us to have. And it's called being baptized or filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And that's the empowerment God gives us to fulfill the commission that we've been given on the earth. Not just preachers, all of us, like Trudy talked about. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what we're called to do. But they don't have that yet. So they're in the upper room. Everybody say upper room. Now I've been to the, the place where the upper room is. In Jerusalem. And it's in the old city, the old part of Jerusalem. But it's like on Main Street, Jerusalem, USA. And here's what was going on at that time. It was the Feast of Pentecost. So all these people are coming into Jerusalem, uh, Jews from other parts of the nation, even other countries are coming in for this very important festival to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And so the apostles are there. There's 120 people, the apostles and then others that have joined them. And they're praying in the upper room and it says on the day of Pentecost... The Holy Spirit was poured out from on high, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember this scripture? And they began to speak in another language. Fire came down from heaven. I don't know what that was like. Maybe the glory of God. Maybe it's like lightning filled the room. I don't know. But And then they began... They, they saw that glory, and then they began to speak with other tongues. Languages that they didn't understand themselves what they were saying. Now, these were Galileans which were deemed in that time as kind of uneducated guys. They're kind of like country boys. It's like these, these guys, are, they don't come from Beverly Hills. You know what I'm talking about? These are like the Beverly Hillbillies, if anybody remembers that. I just dated myself. <laughs> but they're, they're in the upper room, and they all begin to speak in these languages, and the streets are full. Listen. The Holy Spirit was poured out on a very populated area and it caught the attention of the entire city. It wasn't something done in the corner. God began the church that day with a, a mighty display of His power and it affected the entire city. Everybody was talking about it. Because people are walking by and they're hearing these guys and they're speaking in these languages and there's a lot of confusion. And some, some are saying... They're talking in languages, and but I, I can hear what they're saying because they're speaking my language. And then some of these, I don't know what they're saying. And, and there's confusion. They said, what's going on here? 
all these languages. And that, some, somebody says, these guys must be drunk. And then, uh, so somebody had to get up and preach the word about what, had ha- what was happening, right? And so God ordained and anointed a man named Peter, one of the apostles that wasn't a perfect guy. Remember Peter? Peter did a lot of things wrong, but he was chosen to define what has just happened on the day of Pentecost. And the whole town is there listening to him. And it says in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 15, he begins to explain this and preach from the Bible. I believe he got a revelation at that moment about what, is, what was happening. And he said this, these people are not drunk, Acts 2, 15, I'm reading from the New Living, as some of you are assuming Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. You know, everybody knows you get drunk late in the day, right? No, no, you don't get drunk. No. Sorry. (laughs) This is a joke. My wife looks at me funny. Okay, verse 16. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, he preaches Joel. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. Servants, I believe, is the attitude that you got to have to be filled with spirit. It's the attitude you have to have to be filled with spirit. You know, God doesn't accept men's pedigree. And their greatness. If you want to be hooked up to his spirit, you have to be humble. You have to do it humbly. Because it is a humbling thing. I mean, I, it happened to me. People told me, ministered to me. I, was, I got saved one evening. And then they said, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God wants to give you this language. It's like, that's a sign that you're filled. And so I remember thinking, oh, man. How do I do this? I don't know if you've been there, but I'm going, what's it going to sound like? I had to humble myself to receive that. And then when it comes out, you don't understand it. You're thinking, is that real? That's, am I making that up? All these thoughts in your head hit you. Am I preaching to anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's what happened to me. Is this real? And, and, and then I got done and I thought, well, I don't even know if I can do that again. For the next day, I was afraid to go do it again because I was afraid I couldn't do it. And I was miserable the day after I got filled with the Holy Spirit. All day. I was so mad. It's one of the worst days of my life. Because I'm thinking, man, that was cool, but I don't know if I could do that again. So that night, Trudy went to the store. And I was laying there on the couch by myself. And I just kind of went, wait a minute. I'm going to go give this a shot. It's kind of like I had to go take it by faith. You know, you got to take the things of God by faith. You got to personally say, yep, I'm going to take that. So I went back in the bedroom and I took a deep breath and I said, okay, Lord, here we go. Help me do this. And I started speaking and it came. And then I started speaking louder and I got real loud and I was yelling. And that got me over a hump that never bothered me again. I knew I had been filled with the Spirit and I knew I had it. Amen. But Peter's explaining this. Uh, and, and he says, uh, you have to have an humble spirit to receive. Now skip to verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now the church began, the point I want to make, with a big splash that day. Jerusalem knew about it. It's like New York City. If, if you were there, the whole town would be buzzing about it. So God began the church with a big deal. And I believe in circle language, he's going to come back. And at the end, there's going to be a big deal too. 
See, Peter preached this message, and he, he, there was 120 people. The church started with 120, and by the end of his message, he got 3,000 people saved. So now, first day of the church, we started with 3,120. That's a pretty good beginning, right? So God began, here's my point. God began with a big splash of people getting saved, the power of God being poured out. I believe it's going to come full circle, and it will end like that again. Only it will be bigger because the end with God is always better than the beginning. Right? Am I making sense to anybody? So, you know, when we preach about this, this is the way the church began. Sometimes we emphasize the tongues, and that's a part of it. Or we emphasize, uh, you know, the preaching or, 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 the, or, or the fire and the things people said. And, and, but, but I want to emphasize this point today about this. Here's my point. Who is it for? Who is eligible for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for the move of God? And I want to bring your attention to three people groups that God's talking about here. And I believe in the end times, every age group will be included in this end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. I believe that every age group will be included. Let's talk about the three age groups talked about here. Number one, here's my first point. Old men shall dream dreams. That's what it says. Old men. You know, God wants to use old men and women, older people. God, you're not done because you're older. And here's the thing about being older even now. We're in 2020. I believe older people are, or old people are cooler than they used to be. I'm just going to throw that out there. Because I remember when I was growing up, <laughs> I grew up and, and, and I grew up in Texas, and we had a bunch of relatives on my mom's side that would come in the summertime for fa like family reunion. And we'd have 40 people show up from East Texas. My, my grandma's uh, uh, sisters and, and, you know, some, some of their relatives, cousins. And, and they were, and, and her side, my mom's side of the family was a bunch of loud, big personality people. And we had an uncle named Uncle Burl who was like a comedian. He was so funny. And my dad's side, it was so funny because my dad's side of the family, when we would get together, they were all just so quiet. And you'd sit around a circle, most boring people you ever met in your life. So I got both sides in me. I don't know. Sometimes I'm quiet, but sometimes I'm crazy. But anyway, uh, but, but some of these people were older. And I just remember the older people, like in the 60s, late 50s, 60s, some of my older aunts, they had bun hairdos, gray. They had granny glasses. It's like they were trying to look old. They had these big sack dresses, and they wore these look like military shoes. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Or is it, I'm serious. And it's like they got up and said, I want to look as old as I possibly can today. <laughs> and then I had, a, I had an Aunt Bess who who looked like that, and she would talk, and she had a green bean can she carried with her all the time, and she'd talk, and she had brown stain, and she dipped snuff. And I'm like six, seven years old watching Aunt Bess. And, you know, she told me and spit in that can, and I'm thinking, I don't want to see what's in that can. <laughs> but older people are cooler today. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm making a point here. Stay with me. For one thing, people live longer today. Did you know that? The age expectancy <coughs> is, is older. The average age of being a first-time grandparent 
He's 47 years old. That's pretty young. Today's grandparents are healthier. They're more street smart. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me have a drink of water. <coughs> okay. You want to open it for me? Okay, everybody take a break. Let's, let's drink some water. Here. Okay, we're talking about old people. Um, they're more street smart today. Uh, they're more computer smart. They have iPhones and iPads. Older people have that. We may have a hard time using them, but we got one. <laughs> so humbling when my grandkids get my iPad. And I'll go, I'm struggling on something. And they, let me have that pop on. They just, you know, here's where you wanted to go. And I go, shut up. Uh, uh, no, I don't. You don't tell your grandkids shut up. Okay. But, but they're more technically advanced. Today's grandparents, older people, drink lattes. Yeah, I had one yesterday. I like this one. Today's uh, older generation are more sexually active than previous generations. Did you know that? Yep. So you have to honor the different chapters of your life. And if, if you will work on it, you can be relevant to younger people. You just don't have to get old. And, uh, and, and God wants to use older people in our time. Uh, just because you've been alive a while doesn't mean you're done. So you have to understand old men are, old men are going to uh, dream dreams. You can, God still wants us to dream even when we get older. Because as long as you have breath, you're not done yet. Amen? Uh, but you won't have influence if you're grumpy. Because nobody likes to deal with an old grumpy dude that's always saying, that's not the way we did it in my day. Because it's not the way they did it in my day. But that doesn't mean that we all had it all right. You know, the Word of God never changes. But let me tell you something. Methods change all the time. And you just got to remember back. You think, well, the way we do it is, is the best. And, uh, you know, and, but I remember in my day, we changed the culture of the day in the church. I came along back in the 60s and 70s when rock and roll was coming, you know, it was, was in vogue. I was a rock musician back in the 70s, and I was in a rock band. And then uh, the church was waking up to the fact that you could have other instruments rather than just a piano or the high holy instrument of the church organ. Right? And I remember I'd play drums. I remember when I brought drums to church, and some of the older people, they hated that. And they treated me like I was just in sin and made me feel bad. And, you know, when guitars came in, and there was a lot of criticism from the older generation. But we changed the culture. Some of the songs that we did back then, the, this generation would say, My goodness, that's old fashioned. <laughs> but that's the way life works. But we have to open our heart to the next generation. The word never changes, but methods change constantly. And here's a scripture. I quoted this in the marriage seminar. This is a scripture I stand on all the time. Psalm 71, 17. Uh, we have bracelets back on the table. And uh, those bracelets are called promise bracelets. And they're designed, if you buy one of those, they look nice. There's, there's men and women bracelets. I normally wear one, but I left my bracelet and my wedding ring at home when we came on this trip, which is, I can't believe I did that. Uh, but sometimes you forget things. But anyway, I normally wear a little leather bracelet, 
And when I look at it, I say this scripture. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, that's where I am right now. Oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation. Your power to everyone who is to come. I want to remain relevant to the next generation. I want to listen to them. I want to be a part of what God's doing in the end time. And God wants to use old people. Then God wants to use young men and women. Number two, point number two. Young men. He talked about young men, right? Servants, the servant attitude, but men and women alike who will see vision. You know, there are young leaders arising in the church right now, and they have new visions on how to do things. And we need young people in the church because young people have the energy and the new ideas, and they understand the technology that's going on right now that I talked about. So we need the young people, but we need to marry the young people with the older people. See, young guys, yeah, you got a new way of thinking about things, but on the other hand, don't forget the old dudes. Because we can offer you some experience. We've been through a couple of things. And here's the reason we need older people. Older people have wisdom of the past. And then they got more money than young people. Just a fact. Young people don't have any money. You know, you're raising kids and getting a mortgage and, and getting your foothold into life. Older people normally have a little more financial uh, uh, success. And uh, so we need both generations. Generations, But it's the job of the older people to reach out and welcome the young generation. Go to Malachi chapter 4. In our church in Oklahoma City, my son's, this is his generation's church. He's a pastor. Now, I'm an elder, but he's a man. And most of the, the, the leadership in our church is in their 20s and 30s. And uh, a lot of young families. We have a lot of kids, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I have a heart to, to help these young guys, and I reach out to them, and I have coffee with them, and I mentor a lot of the young leaders in the church, and they ask me questions, and I'll tell them. When we come together, i got a couple of the young guys on staff that I meet with every month, and I say, you guys come with questions. And they have questions, and they want to know things. And I have the experience that a lot of times I, I have some answers. Sometimes I don't. I don't know it all. But I'm, I'm working on connecting with that generation. And I believe it's the older people's responsibility to reach out to the young people. Let me show you this in the Bible, Malachi 4 or 5. Malachi, last, last book in the Old Testament. This is the last chapter. Last two verses of the Old Testament. And here's what it says. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's prophetic of John the Baptist who came in the... The spirit of Elijah in power and boldness to declare something's coming. Jesus is coming. And part of his message is the next verse. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Notice the sequence here. Hearts of the older people, the fathers, turn to the children. Or we accept them and we love on them. We let them know we think they are somebody. We bridge a gap, a generation gap. And when we do that properly, their hearts will turn back to us. And we will have a church that's connected with young people and old people. This is the will of God. I'm, I want, I'm saying this kindly, but Trudy and I have traveled for so many years. And there's some great churches that we've been to 
that at one time were flourishing, some of them are dying today because they're filled with old people. And they didn't reach the next generation. I'm not trying to put anything heavy on you. I'm just talking about we have to purposely do this. And that brings me to the last point. One of the things that will be happening in the end time, the part of the end time harvest, the the third generation is kids. Children are a big part of it. It says this, well, uh, verse 17, let's read it again. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's talking about young people. I think it's talking about teenagers and even children. And then Peter preaches this message. He preaches all about it. And at the end, he declares this. After all these people have been saved that day. For the promise, the promise of what? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit that began that day. This coming full circle, this coming back again, is to you and to your children. Everybody say children. Children. And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The entire church needs a vision for kids' ministry. Let me tell you about kids' ministry for a minute. It is not just babysitting. It's not just child care. There's care involved. And part of what we do in children's ministry is we protect those kids and we... uh, uh, you know, we make sure the room is secure. We check out the people that teach them. We do FBI background checks. We do this for anybody that works with any of our kids. If you go into one of our classrooms at our church, you've had an FBI background check. Uh, so we want to make a place for kids. Uh, in the Old Testament, there were two people or two places that the children were taught. They were the home and the synagogue. So here's what the church is designed to do. We are designed as the church to uh, support the parents training their children in the Word of God. The church is not supposed to do that for you. You as a parent and even a grandparent, you are called by God to train your children and your grandchildren in the Word of God. You need to write that down. That's part of what we are called to do. But we as a church need to make a place for young people and for children. And we need to make sure that they're learning the word. We, make, we need to make sure it's sharp. And in order to do that, it takes people to do it. And when we do that, it will cause the church to grow. Now, I've been around a little while. You can tell by looking at me. I'm older. But I've been a part, big time part, of two churches, two local churches. I am a local church guy. Thank God for evangelists and prophets and all those kind of people. But I believe what God wants to do in the end time is going to flow and filter out of the local church like never before. I believe God uses evangelists and teachers to, to stir people up. But listen, you can't get discipled through, through somebody you're listening to on TV or, or on a teaching somewhere uh, and you know from a distance. No! You need a local church where you come in person and you sit down and you have a pastor in your life who speaks the word of God to you on a practical level, uh, on an ongoing level. You need to come all the time to, be, to, be, to feed from the word of God with your pastor, right? You know, I read a stat that in America, 50% of people that call themselves Christians go to church 50% of the time. In other words, they only go to church half the time. We see it. I see that in, the, in our church, in the culture. It's like people just show up and say, and then they say, well, I'm going to go to the lake for a couple of weeks. And it's okay to go to the lake. But listen, you need, when they're having church, when you're in town, and you need to be in town most of the time. I'm helping pastor you today. Is that okay? 
Uh, you need to come to church when you're there. Yes. Write this down. Come to church when the doors are open. <laughs> yeah, write it down twice. You know, I've been to churches and I, I, doing different ministry. And, and there have been times, this happened more than once, where I had a word from the Lord. And I would give it out, like for maybe for healing or for something else, or just have a prophetic word, and nobody would respond. And after the service was over, I've had, I've had this happen more than once. The pastor would tell me, man, that word would have fit this person, or that condition was for this person, and they weren't there today. Isn't that amazing? God had me give it out because he, he, he's faithful. But you, listen, you need to look at church this way. I need to come because I may miss something that God has for me. I've got, there are church times in church that have marked my life. God wants to mark your life. See, it's not just the pastor that's talking to you. It's, it, it, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through them. To give you direction. One time I was sitting in church and I had uh, just sitting there minding my own business. And at that time in my life, Trudy and I were young, knew we were called into ministry. I was working in this sorry job. Here's the definition of a bad job. Long hours, low pay. That was my job. And I needed more money. And I didn't know exactly what to do. And I'd gone to a lady the day before and she had cut my hair. And she had talked about that in Texas you could get a grant to, to go to a trade school. And you could learn welding, or you could learn different trades, or haircutting. She says, you can get a grant, and the government will pay for it. I didn't think anything about that that day. And I'm sitting in church the next morning, just sitting in church, just being faithful, just sitting there with Trudy. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me when my pastor was preaching. And he wasn't talking about this, but the Lord said, the Lord said to me, if you want to go to barber school, learn how to cut hair, I'll bless it. And it just, I mean, so strong, I said, honey. The Lord just spoke something to me. She, she said, shut up, pay attention to what the pastor said. I said, oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> but we got out of church, and I told her what. I said, God spoke this to me. And she said, really? She said, you've never talked about cutting hair before. And I said, I know, but I, have a, I, I think I can do this. In fact, I have a, an anointing coming on me to cut hair. Let me see your hair. No, no I didn't do that. Uh, but the next day, I went to the little community college to, to apply for the grant. So wild. I'm standing there in line and, uh, uh, at, the, at the desk deal. And as I'm standing there, and it was, it was my turn, the president of the college walked out of his office. And he was kind of a gruff guy. And he, he walks around, looks around, and he just looks right at me, just like this. He says, who are you? I said, well, I'm, 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 you know, I hem-hawed around. He said, what are you here for? I said, well, I was going to try to apply for a grant. He just goes, huh, come in my office. The president of the college filled out my paperwork. He said, I'm doing this, and you'll have this in a couple of days, and you can go to school. Go on. You can go now. And <laughs> so I got my papers. I went to school for a year. I, I opened up a barber shop after a year's worth of going to school. It's kind of tough because we, we had a baby part-time jobs, but the week I opened up my shop, I made four times the income I had made, and God blessed that for four years before I got into the ministry. Going to church is a good thing to do. God will help you, but, uh, but we need, you know, it takes the church having a vision for reaching kids, because it takes a workforce from the kids to get the job done. 
They're different jobs when it comes to, re to reaching kids. I don't think any ministry of the church, if it's done right, needs more people working with it. Because you've got to have teachers. You've got to have teachers for different age groups. You have to have security. You have to have monitors. You have to have ushers. So there's some people in the church, God uses the, work, uses the workforce of the body. People that have giftings I'm talking to right now that you need to get involved in children's ministry. I'll just boldly tell you that. Because it takes people to get the job done. Is that okay if I say that? You need some helpers, brother? Yes, sir. Always need helpers. And then, But if you don't get involved, because maybe everybody won't, then here's what you need to do. At least be nice to little kids. You know, you see little kids running around the, the church. These are real people. And, they're, you know, you have, you have single moms, I bet, in this church. And so these little kids, the only uh, example of a man they may see, a man of God, is when they come to church on Sunday. If you're a man and they look at you and you ignore them or you're kind of gruff with them, they're going to get the attitude that Jesus is like that. You need to be nice to them. Go to them. Hey, you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Give me a high five. Bam. Well, maybe not a high five now, but hey, give me an air high five. And, uh, you know, I knew a guy at a church that would pass out little candy things to the kids all the time. And kids loved him and would come around him because kid kids love candy, right? If you don't like candy, give them vitamins. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> even pull your wallet out. Pull out a five. Say, you know what? Jesus loves you, and he just wanted me to give this to you. Wow. Really? See, you, we, the church is called to do this. Are you with me? And kids' ministry is a big deal. The Jews believe a person demonstrates their love for God by what priority they give to the spiritual education of their children. They have this saying. This is so powerful. And I quote. You may want to write this down. I'll say it slow. It's a Jewish quote. If we do not indelibly imprint the Word of God deep within the bones of our children, we are one generation away from extinction. Let me say it again. If we do not indelibly, I want you to get the commitment of this. If we do not, just talking about the church, indelibly imprint the Word of God deep Within the bones of our children, we are one generation away from extinction. This is America today. When I was growing up, my second grade teacher read Bible stories every afternoon. And nobody said a word. God has been drummed little by little out of our culture. America today, generally, is a godless culture. But we, the church, are called to be the light of the world. Say, Jesus is the light of the world. Yeah, but he ain't here. You are. He's in you. You are the light of the world. Jesus said that. We have to ha let our light shine. And kids' ministry is a big, big deal, my friends. And, you know, I, I've done it all my life. I don't do it anymore. I train people to do it. So we can use all kinds of different people. You know, there was a day, I, I tell you this because I did it. And I believe in it so strongly because I've given my life to it. And it's, so, it's simple, but it's so underestimated by most people in the church. But it's such a big deal because kids learn the word by how you do it. I used to get in a dog suit all the time. And we would do this dog skit. 
me and Willie George. I'd be my character, Nicodemus, and I'd go backstage, and I would put on a dog costume. I mean, with a head. It's a big white dog, and we called him Bark Emmaus, not Bart Emmaus. We had a Bible name, but he was Bark Emmaus because he would uh, bark his testimony. And so I would come out as Barkimaeus and gospel business. I want to introduce my good friend Barkimaeus. Now he speaks in German, shepherd boys and girls, so I'm going to interpret. So Barkimaeus would come out, shake his tail. Then gospel bill would say, Barkimaeus, now I understand you have a testimony. He says, yes, he does. What is it, Barkimaeus? Barkman said one morning he woke up in his doghouse and he had an itch on his leg. Oh, really? Really itching. And then you got an itch on the other leg. Barkman said he looked at it real closely and he was surprised at what he saw. What did you see? There was hair coming off. It was really bad. Before long, you were itching all over. So what did you do? He went to the vet. So the vet examined you. What did the vet say? He said, Barkamesh, you have the mange. Wow. The mange is really serious if you're a dog. So what did you do, Barkamesh? Barkamesh said he got really, really worried for a minute. He got some salve from the doctor, put it on there. And then he remembered the, the word of God. What does the word of God say? With his stripes you were healed. He remembered that scripture. And there's power in the word of God. So what did you do? Barkamesh says, I pray. Barkamesh said, I believe I received my healing right now. It's mine in Jesus' name. That's great, Barkamesh. So what happened? Nothing happened. Whoa. Nothing happened. The itching got worse. And hair was falling out. So what did you do? Did you give up and quit? You didn't give up and quit? You kept saying that scripture. With his stripes I'm healed. With his stripes I'm healed. You did that one week. Two weeks. Still itching, hair falling out. But one morning, you woke up. You looked down on your leg. It didn't itch anymore. Wow. Looked on the other leg. Doesn't itch anymore. And then you look closer. There was little bitty hair growing back. There's a little bitty hair going back over there. And you didn't itch anymore. Hallelujah, you were healed. That's a great story, Barkabas. All right, boys and girls, clap your hands real loud right now. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. So I used to do that all the time. But I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but children can learn the word if we'll break it down for them. They can learn the word. And it's a big part of the end time revival. Do you know, I'm going to close with this. Kids can be saved when they're little. Do you know that 86% I'm out of, told you I didn't do that anymore. 86% of people who serve God today are, are do so. Because they had some kind of encounter with the Lord when they were under the age of 15. Did you get that? 86%. That's a big number. 
between the ages of 15 to 30, if you haven't heard anything about Jesus from uh, till the age of 15 to the age of 30, you have a 10% shot you'll ever meet God. And after 30, which seems pretty young to me, <laughs> but by the time you're 30, your thoughts have been established pretty much. Your, who you are has been pretty much it's ingrained in you. And if you don't know anything about Jesus, by the time you're 30, you have a 4% shot you'll ever meet him. Kids' ministry is a big deal. In the end, Peter talked about it. This promise is unto you and your children. I believe we're coming full circle. He declared that. That wasn't a mistake. God wants to reach every age group of people all over the world. I believe in the end, we come full circle. There's going to be this revival, and the churches are going to be bigger and stronger than ever. God's working on the church all the time. You understand that? Yeah, church has problems. If you, I'll just tell you this. If you want to go to a church without problems, you, you will not find one because we're human beings. But the church is growing, and we're maturing. And things are changing. We're getting ready for the end. Trudy talked about it. We are the people for the end. I believe we're going to see the greatest move of God and the churches that are doing their job to reach every age group. The nursery is going to be full. The children's church is going to be full. Young people are going to be flowing in. You know, our church is, we have a lot of young people. We had 463 people come to our church in Oklahoma City last week. We just got into a building. We've been... uh, setting up and tearing down for five years. And we just got our first permanent location about a month ago. We had 463 people. We did two services. We had uh, 169 little kids under the age of 12. Now, none of those kids pay tithes. (laughs) But they bring people who do. That's the way this works. Because we make a place for kids, we make a big deal out of it. We reach younger people and we love older people too and we love all colors people this is what the church is going to be in the end times do you believe that so what are we saying are we coming full circle are we is it time for us to gird up and make sure we're going back to the very foundation that god planted the church with on the day of pentecost and be the church of power that is reaching people for the end time are we coming full circle maybe so would you bow your heads and pray let's pray right now Lord, thank you for the times in which we live. Thank you that you've seen fit to, to put us here during this time. We believe you've called us. This is our time. Praise God. And I pray over this church. It's no accident we're here today. It's no accident because this church has a calling on it. There was a prophetic word that came forth yesterday about what's going to happen here. Lord, we see, as many voices have said this, but we see expansion and growth, and change, and people being touched. And this church is a multifaceted, multi-campus move. And Lord, we just thank you that you're doing brand new things. So we open up our heart, and we ask you today to speak to us. Show us where we need to get involved. Show us what we can do to be a part. Show us how we can fulfill what you put us here as individuals for in the name of Jesus. Now, this is a little bit different altar call. Nobody look around for a minute. But here's my altar call to you today. Are you involved? And if you're not, is God speaking to your heart? Would you say, Lord, I'll work with kids. 
kids kind of make me nervous, but I'll step out there because I believe you're calling me to that. Lord, I'll help in this area or I'll help in this area. You know, uh, we are the body of Christ and every part of the body has a purpose. So if you just say, here, here, here's my challenge to you. If you just say, Pastor Ken, I want to get involved. I want, I want to do what I'm called to do. Raise your hand up real quick and put it down. I'm looking around the room, see hands going up everywhere. You know you're supposed to be involved. And Father, I thank you for leading them, for directing these people. One more thing I need to ask you, because I don't know everybody here. You look beautifully saved. If I was looking at you, I think, man, that person's going to heaven. But maybe you're not. And church is all about getting right with God. If you know you're not right with God today, we're not putting you down. Jesus came to make, make you right. You can't be right on, on your own. I couldn't. I tried like crazy. I tried to get better and, and, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps, but nothing happened to me until I received Jesus into my heart and something began to change when I met him. Jesus loves you today. If you want to get right with him and you're not, raise your hand up quickly. Just hold it up. I'm looking around the room. We'll give you a minute. Old, young, whatever. God loves little children. Little children can be saved if you're a little guy. You're not right with God. I'm looking around you. Give you just a minute. Hallelujah. All right, everybody look at me. Here's what I challenge you to do. There's a bunch of people raise their hand. Go to the pastor. Go to somebody and say, I want to get involved. What is my next step? You guys have a next step to give them, wouldn't you? What's my next step? What do I need to do? You know this body of Christ? You ever think about we're the body Every part of your body needs to be doing something. If you're not doing your, what you're called to do, the body can't progress like it should. Can I tell you one little story? One more little story. One night, I'm in the bathroom. Trudy's laying in bed. And I just thought, I'm just going to jump out of the bathroom house we lived in, Tulsa. And I'm going to scare her. I'm going to yell real loud because I want to scare her. Why would a guy do that? Because that's a guy. We're kind of crazy. And... But my, my wife is so much fun to just startle. It's like she'll ah, scream, and, and I don't know. I just like that every once in a while. Uh, so I'm thinking, I'm going to jump out. You know, I'm, I don't have any shoes on. I'm going to jump out of the bathroom, land on the bed, and when I come out, I'm just going to yell real loud and scare her. So I back up to the shower. I got a couple of steps, and I come flying through the door facing, and I yell, ah, and she's scared, ah. She screams, and, and then uh, something happened, though, I wasn't expecting. My little toe on my right foot <laughs> caught the door facing perfectly. And I heard a, I'm midair, and I heard a snap, like a pop. Just broke my little toe. Now I'm in the air. I'm yelling, but my yell changes <laughs> from ah to ah. And I hit the bed, and she starts hitting me. Oh, stupid, you're not hurt. And hit me. You were hitting me. I pointed, at, <laughs> I pointed at my foot, and my little toe was hanging off. And then she goes, ooh, that's gross. And I got a revelation from heaven that night. I discovered how much or how important that little toe was to the health of my body. Before that time, I had never even thought about my little toe. You know, my little toe's just doing its little toe job, <laughs> fulfilling its purpose. But now that it's, it's out of joint and hurting, 
The whole body has, has the, the little toe has the attention of the whole body. It hindered the movement of the body. I walked, I had to go to the doctor the next day and get that thing set. Popped it back into place. And then I had to wear a walking thing for a couple of weeks. And I'm walking like this. And I wasn't, I wasn't as fast as I used to be. I mean, I'm a fast guy, you can tell. But that slowed me down because my little toe, I learned, has a purpose. You may think, oh, I'm just a little toe, what can I do? God needs you. You know, you need Jesus, but God needs you. He needs you to fulfill what you're called to. I predict, full circle, the body of Christ will come about in its fullness in the end time. We will see this church just like buzzing with energy. And, and people finding their place. And the gifts being released. And things happening. You believe that? Would to God it be. That's what the Lord told me to deliver to you today. Did this help anybody? As I was sitting there, I was just thinking about how we all as human beings will think, I just don't know what I could do. But uh, I talked about this a little bit in the marriage conference, how that, that when we found God, uh, Ken was away from God. He'd been raised in church. He was away from God, and God began to have me pray for him. But one day, he's going to the liquor store, and I had prayed. I'd been praying in the Spirit at night for him. And the Spirit of God went with him to the liquor store and kept telling him how much he loved him. And he, he talked about that. But the one thing he didn't say was, and this is such an, a wonderful thing, because we just don't realize what little part we play can change the life of a human being. But he said on the way to the liquor store, he, began, he, he was raised in the Baptist church, and he had a, a guy that just taught a quarterly in his little class with bunch of little 11 year olds little 11 year old boys and he said on the way to the liquor store he said I heard the voice of my Sunday school teacher that said you can pray anywhere if you're on the tractor if you're here if it, you don't have to be in church to pray and see the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance those things that have been put there See, that's the thing about children. A lot of times you plant the seed, but you don't see the tree grow for a long time. But see, just our simple obedience to just say, Lord, what can I do? But I, and I think about that today, how that man, didn't, he said, I didn't even think, he got to share that with him, uh, that Sunday school teacher, years and years later. And he, that man just started crying. He said, I didn't think you boys were listening to a thing I said. <laughs> And yet the seed that he planted in him was brought back to remembrance to him by the Spirit of God, which led him to get right with God, which changed his life. And many of you may not know this, but this man in Willie George changed the world of little children. Generations of little children have been touched all over this world because the obedience of a, a man in Sunday school that didn't think the kids were listening planted a seed that God said, there's a seed there. There's a seed there. And now I can, I can work on it and it can grow. We are so important. Every little thing that we do, every little thing that we do you, that you think is not important, God can use to grow into a tree. Because it just starts with a seed. Everything starts with a seed. 
So never think that you don't have something to offer. Just obey. You know, that's the greatest thing we can ever do is there's times you don't even know what, what people need, but the Spirit of God knows. And you just obey in the simplest little ways, and he'll take that, and he'll, he'll do with it what he wants to do. So we love you today. We love this church. We're excited about what's ahead for you, and we know God's going to use you in special ways, special ways, special ways. And I love everybody here. I love all that. I've, learned, I've come to love this family already. So thank you.